Hi, I'm Chuck Quinley. Welcome to Thread, Season 3, Episode 10. Thread is God's Word, tying together all the pieces of your life as a person in ministry. It's the place for believers who have committed themselves to the ministry, whether it's in a formal or informal sense. You want God to use you to bring healing to other people. Well, in Season 3, we're moving through 2 Corinthians, the book about the ministry. And today's thread covers chapter 4, verses 7 through 15. And this thread is a lesson for grown-ups. This is just deeper spiritual teaching. It's a lesson about a thing that we call in spiritual formation, deep processing. And that is when God goes under the surface issues in your life and he begins a deeper work. And it takes longer, it takes more pressure, but it's the stuff that really, you know, it it fixes us, it changes us. And we're going to talk about that in uh, in this episode. You know, there's two kinds of ministry, basically. Um... There's artificial ministry, and this is the ministry of titles and of wearing a special kind of clothing and, uh, you know, of smoke and lights and production and all the stuff, you know, the stage, everything about the stage and about ministry of ministerial um, entitlement and, you know, there's all this stuff. And then there is the real ministry. It's authentic. It is uh, sometimes, you know, part of big also because there are quite a few fully anointed, authentic men and women of God who lead very large ministries. And a large ministry is, you know, it's complicated. It's got more stuff. It's got a ton more people and it, it can do more uh, you know, scaled things. So I'm not, you know, I'm not against big and I'm not trying to always have a tirade against, uh, excellent. I'm not, uh, I'm not talking about excellence. You know, I think, you know what I mean? You know, there is a, there's a show that is religion. And then there is the authentic changes that happen in the life of another person when they meet somebody who is just so different from them. This is a person who radiates the energy of God. They radiate the anointing of the Holy Spirit. There is a a unity inside of them between them and the Lord and the message and the life that they live. And that's what we're talking about. You know, if God is truly going to take you to himself and then use you as a faithful servant, I'm talking about a servant that he can trust with any mission that he wants done. Well, then the Lord's going to have to work on you. We can't serve God on our own terms. There's just so much contrary stuff inside all of us. And this stuff has to get worked out. And so this is a lesson about that process. Now, let's do a little backstory on this whole book. Paul has battled with uh, many people in this church who were in love with the idea of themselves being in the ministry. But what they were in love with was uh, prominence and the stage and getting to be the one who preaches and getting to be, you know, the special one and getting to be the one who who prays for other people. And, you know, and now, you know, now we've turned this whole thing into this really big, attractive business. If you can just get booked, 
You know, there's there's all kind of people now who covet uh, to to be a spokesman for the Lord. You know, I live in the part of the world where it, where it gets real. You know, I'm 40 miles from Laos, and just a few years ago, there were eight pastors that uh, just disappeared and have never been seen again, as far as I know. I mean, things happen to you in this part of the world when you are the Christian spokesman. And so, you know, the the glory and glamour that can be in ministry, especially big hoopla spotlight ministry in America, that doesn't necessarily you know go with the ministry in other people's countries. Uh, anyway, back to my story. Paul's been battling with people who are in love with the idea of themselves in the ministry, but their motivations and their whole concept of what the ministry is, it was so carnal and it was worldly. And these people were not even self-aware enough to acknowledge that this was what was in them. And, you know, so Paul is, he's addressing this, but I just love his spirit. You know, in this letter, instead of going, you guys have no place in the ministry, he expresses his desire that all of the people of God enter the ministry. But then he carefully describes the experience of a true minister of the Lord. And he shows them where, where the power of transformation comes from. That power that really does make one life infectious uh, spiritually to others and, and does help one person's life set another person's life, you know, get you back on the right path. There's a power that people have when, when God's hand is on them and they allow the Lord to, to bring them to you know this unity inside. Uh, and so Paul wants to explain where this thing comes from. So sure enough, they can all reach out for it if they really covet to be a man or woman in the Lord. You know, it's, it's a wonderful thing that somebody would covet to be used by God and covet to be a spokesman for the Lord. You know, that it has to be something that pleases the Father when we say, I want to be just like you, I want to work with you, I want, to, I want you to use me. So Paul opens up now in chapter 4, verse 7, and he, he opens again talking about how ministry is awesome. That ministry, it has a power, there's a power in the gospel. And as we've already talked about, we carry the fragrance of Jesus Christ on us. And there is this liberating ministry of the Holy Spirit. And things happen, you know, chains fall off of people spiritually because of words we say in, in our presence in their life. And there's transformation from other people. You know, we, we just covered in our last lesson, verses 1 through 6 of chapter 4, and he talks about the amazing thing that happens when the gospel light first shines on us. And then it shines inside of us and it does its work. And then it shines out through us and we become a source of revelation to other people. You know, ministry is a treasure to the world. And this glowing treasure has been placed by God inside individual men and women who have, uh, you know, they've answered his call. He's called them to join his work and they've dedicated themselves to do it. You know, the gospel is administered around the world by flesh and blood humans. 
but Paul says, but please understand, we hold this treasure as a clay pot. As a clay pot. And, you know, if you think about it, he's talking about this unfired clay, like what you would, you know, you plant a geranium in. Who in the world would put something valuable in a in a clay pot? I mean, is God trying to hide it in plain sight so it won't be stolen? It, clay pot, it, doesn't, it just does not match a treasure. I mean, think about it. I keep my Rolex. No, I actually looked it up. My Patek Philippe Super Complication Pocket Watch, $24 million. It's one of the most expensive watches, if not the most expensive watch in the world. So just imagine that I keep my pocket watch, $24 million watch, in a flower pot. I don't keep it in a nice silk line box so it won't get scratched up. I just drop it in my unglazed clay flower pot. You know, imagine the presentation at the International Jewelers Award and the most expensive watch in the world is wheeled out and the crowd is all excited and ooh and ah. And the president of Patek Philippe walks across the stage carrying under his arm a flower pot and he wants to talk about his amazing work of art that is this watch. You know, it just doesn't match, but I mean, it's God's watch. It's not like God had no choices. He could have made the very best of us to be awesome. He could have taken a certain group of humans, let's just say the best humans in the world, and he could have cloaked them with so much divine help. And he could surround them at all times, you know, with angels of protection. They could just sort of like live in this cloud and they could just, he could soften their will until it's just totally submitted to him. And then he could take away their sex drive and he could take away their need for approval and appreciation from other people. And he could have made them above marriage and above normal human life. He could have made them where they didn't need to sleep or eat or go to the bathroom. They could have been just truly heroic, miracle-working people, lightly hovering above the earth, you know, not exactly walking on it. And honestly, some people have almost tried to create a model of ministry that's like that. But in the logic of God, a messenger like that, that, that totally defeats the purpose. If you're going to send out human ministers as ambassadors of God, then God says, my very best messenger will still be a fragile clay pot. Someone easily tired. Someone still dealing with his own wounds. Someone who's, who has needs of their own. You know, so if you feel like you're a fake sometime doing ministry when you've got so many areas of yourself to work on, or if you feel like you are driving your life along a sheer cliff and you are living so close to the edge that you just can't let yourself look or you'll go over, well, you're not alone. Most of us live our lives so close to disaster and yet, somehow we make it to the very end. You know, that's what adult life is. We have to handle multiple challenges simultaneously. They don't wait in line. They all hit us at once. So God looks down on, on you know, his workers, and he doesn't, he doesn't help us all get emotionally balanced. I mean, there's so many. Actually, I quit reading, um, what do you call these things? 
Heroes of the Faith book books, you know, uh, they just, I just said, well, one, I don't believe it. I think those are edited histories of these people because, I mean, I've lived long enough and I've moved in circles enough to have been around some people who truly are amazing in so many ways. And you can see God's hand on their lives and you can see the fruit of their labors and you can see that they have a really good heart. But when you're around them long enough, you also realize they are very much humans and they, uh, you know, they snap at their husband sometimes. And sometimes there's dysfunction in their family or yeah, you wouldn't necessarily want to work for some of them. And it, it's not to disqualify them. It's just, you know, they're just people. Why would God do that? Why wouldn't he make some super class of people and only those people got to be in the ministry? Well, Paul says it in verse 7. At the end of verse 7, he says, God does it so that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. You know, it's not even a point of how awesome I am through Jesus Christ and how you can be awesome too. That, that message gets preached way too much. The message isn't how awesome I am through Jesus Christ. It's just how awesome Jesus Christ is. If you don't hear anything else I say in this episode, just get this one point. There is one spotlight on the stage. And that stage has one X mark in the middle of that spotlight. And this story has one star and it's not you and it's not me. And we need to, we need to think on that because some of us are trying so hard to be a hero for God, you know, a hero of the faith, like the other great heroes of the faith. But if you had lived in their families, if you had walked around them, a lot of them had really deep issues in their life. This is not about us building a personal legend, you know, with God as the wind in our sails. This is about us being normal humans who have a testimony, a testimony where all the glory goes to God. Clay pots. It's hard to stress just how common a clay pot is, how much it is of the earth. You know, it is just dirt made into a form uh, how fragile and weak a clay pot is and how temporary a clay pot is. It's not a permanent thing. Uh, I, I was driving my motorcycle up um, in the mountains here in northern Thailand, and I stopped for lunch at a little little shop that was run by a Muslim family. And I rolled to a stop, and I mean I was just barely moving. And my front tire just touched this large clay pot in their entrance that had a big plant in it and the thing just fell to pieces. You know, it didn't take anything to make that centerpiece. I mean, it was in the center of their entry stairs and I, I felt horrible because this thing just broke to a bunch of pieces and slumped over and dirt went out everywhere. You know, we're, we're talking about our humanity. Some people have the idea that um, through Jesus, God begins the process of making us sort of into angels. I've even heard some people saying, that man, one day he's going to get his wings. 
Well, let me tell you, we're never going to get our wings. Uh, We're never going to be angels. The gospel does not belong to the angels. It's a human gospel. It's a gospel about planet Earth. And it has to be administered by people of the Earth. And God's messengers need to fully embrace their own humanity. I'm convinced that one of the big purposes of salvation is not to make us a heavenly man, but to make us fully human. We live so far beneath our humanity. And humanity was God's big dream when he created Adam and Eve. You know, we're just people. And God likes it that way. Now, Paul is about to begin uh, in, in the next verses. He starts to describe, verse 8, the assaults on his clay pot, you know. So Paul has admitted, he said, I'm just a clay pot, you know, in the end. And really, even Paul's pretty transparent. You read him sometimes and you can feel, man, he's really insecure. And then other times he's a little bit bragging. And then he'll go, oh, you know, you made me do it again. Now I've been bragging. And then he'll, you know, he'll make himself be good. And he'll, he, he says the things he knows are true doctrinally and that they're true in Christ. And he, I just love it. You know, he's just such a real person. So he begins to describe the assaults that he and his team are suffering as clay pots. He says, we are hard pressed. Now, now he's talking about the devil's work. Okay. He's going to talk about the work that the devil is doing and the work that a hostile world is doing against him and against the other people in his team. But I think it was Billy Graham who said, you can say what you want about the devil, but he's God's devil. You know, that is the things he's allowed to do against us. They always turn out to be something valuable for us. If we will just handle the situation correctly, you know, with faith and trust God all the way through it, the thing itself is is sent to do us good and it will do us good. So Paul begins in verse eight and he describes four different things that he's suffering under. He says, first of all, I am hard pressed. And that means you are um, you are in a confined place and you are being st- like a. Uh, I'm sorry, I live in Thailand, so I'm just going to talk out of my experience. Up the road, maybe 20 miles, there's a village, Karen, uh, a Karen village. And in that village, they've got this snake. And this thing is 220 pounds. It is huge, big, thick uh, python or boa. I forget what it is, but... I mean, it is so heavy, and they, they throw at chickens, so it'll be passive. And then they <laughs> charge you $10 if you want to hold the snake. So, you know, me, of course, I've got to put on this snake. And you lay this thing over you, and you feel every, like your whole frame is being compressed because this snake hangs. It's not like a sack on your shoulders. He hangs around your neck, and he's, you know, he's limp, thank God. But he, um, you just feel it pulling you in. And so Paul says, I'm undergoing this. I am being confined and pressed from the side until it causes me pain. Secondly, he says, I'm perplexed. Perplexed means you're at your wits end. You don't know what to do. You're frozen in um, indecision because you're just... You're so confused. You don't know what to choose. You don't know where to go. You can't win no matter which side you, you move toward. And it's just like, ah, I don't even know what to do. 
Thirdly, Paul says, and we're persecuted. And the word he uses means we're hunted down like animals. And then finally he says, and we are struck down. That's a word for to be, it's used if you're thrown to the ground violently by a wrestler or if you are hit with a sword or with some other weapon and the, the impact is so hard that it bashes you to the ground. I mean, it's pretty serious what he's going through. Paul says, yet we have this treasure, you know. I am hard pressed and I am perplexed and I am persecuted and I am knocked down and yet we have this treasure. And somehow, he goes back over the list again, hard pressed, but somehow we don't crack, you know. I'm just a clay pot, but somehow I don't crack when I'm being pressed. I have pain, but I don't break. And I am perplexed. I don't know what to do. And yet, somehow, we don't lose heart and give up. And we are persecuted, hunted like an animal. But even in death, we don't face it by ourselves. The Lord's present with us. He does not abandon us in our persecution. And we are knocked down. But we're not knocked out. I mean, have you seen the movie Rocky? You get struck down. It doesn't mean the game's over. It doesn't mean you're you're out just because you got knocked down. So, you know, there's a spirit. We don't always get a happy ending. And every one of our stories, you know, it it doesn't... Okay, in the end, there's justice. But that justice may be after death. And Paul has got a faith. And, you know, it's if you want to be useful to God, you got to have a faith that goes a lot deeper than the Lord gives me everything I want and, you know, doesn't really let anything bad happen to me. Because sometimes we have to go through trouble. I'm saying through trouble, not around trouble, right through the middle of trouble. And so Paul is talking about this deep processing that the Lord allows because there's stuff in us. It is so deep down inside. And the Lord allows this hard pressure and this perplexity and this pressure on us and even being knocked down. Because he is doing something in us. And now we turn a corner in uh, verse 10. And Paul talks about how transforming power actually works. And now we're getting to the this whole idea about being an earthen vessel. That's uh, Paul's key theme about the ministry in this book. He has absolute confidence in the paradox of how a weak human being can still be used as a vessel that dispenses the very life of God to other people. And it doesn't mean that, well, after I'm not weak, you know, once I am like a super, super person, then, you know, super me, once I get to be super me, then I'm a vessel. And Paul says, no, that's the weirdness of this whole thing. God doesn't necessarily fix your insecurities and he doesn't necessarily, you know, there's Moses and he says, I, 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 I stutter and there's nowhere in the scriptures that says, and God healed Moses of stuttering. So there's Moses in front of Pharaoh and he's just mumbling and stuttering away. He's, you know, we, we have these weaknesses in us and the Lord does not remove them. He leaves them there. They're important for us. So Paul's about to talk about how it really works 
for transforming power to flow out of one person's life and into the lives of other people. And he says, okay, it starts with the concept of being united with Christ. Uh, This idea that we are on the cross. When Jesus was on the cross, something happened in the cosmos. It happened for eternity. And all who come to Christ in faith become united with him on that cross. And all who are united with him are united with him in death and united with him in resurrection. That's why we do the whole baptism uh, ritual to show that we understand what has happened in Christ. Now, I'm talking about being completely one with Christ in spirit, not just poetry here. That yes, yes, we're, we're united with Christ. Now, I mean that we have a spirit as humans and our spirit has been unified with Christ's spirit. That's what the born again experience is. That's why you change is that you're, it's not that you're trying to imitate Christ. Christ moves inside. There is, there is some form of unity. It, 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 it doesn't, you know, we wish it was just like a flash and suddenly we were everything we're ever going to be in Christ, but it begins and it is, uh, it's remarkable and people who know us will notice it because we've been united to Christ. And when, so when, uh, when Christ goes through things because he's still alive and he's still very much ministering on the earth. And so when Jesus is persecuted, we may very well be physically beaten. Not just because we're imitating Christ, but because Christ is being beaten. We are bearing the body of the Lord. We carry the burden of his mission with him. We share the weight of it. Now, in our selfishness, we don't want to sacrifice for the Lord. Our selfishness doesn't want to give up money. It doesn't want to give up comfort. It doesn't want to give up security. It's not even willing to be uncool with Jesus. But Paul has had a breakthrough. He, along with his ministry team, have completely embraced Christ. And they are living out of their union with him. And first, they're bearing the dying of the Lord. They're rejoicing to be worthy to suffer and sacrifice with him. And because they will embrace that part of the Christian experience. And look, a lot of people are not willing to go there. They only want Jesus the blesser, Jesus the provider, Jesus the reconciler. But Paul says, yeah, but there's bearing the dying of the Lord. You've got to die with Christ. We have to suffer with Christ. We have to work with Christ, bear his burden with him. And if you do that, then you get a second experience. And Paul calls it the life of Christ. The life force, the, the zoe, the, the very life that brought his body back. This is in verse 10. We are always carrying about in our body the dying of the Lord Jesus so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. There's something about this zoe, this power that brought Jesus back from the dead. It's something tangible. Even on a physical level, the effect of this life made the dead body of Jesus resuscitate. And Paul says this life force manifests. 
it shines out even through our physical bodies because ministry is a physical thing. It's a human interaction. It's about eye contact. It's about touching someone with your hand, about speaking to them with your lips. The life of Jesus radiates out, Paul says in verse 10, even through our bodies. See, we can't have resurrection power until we go through crucifixion. The death of me. And then I've got to go to the tomb. And when you enter the tomb, you just got no more life. Your whole big world and all your ideas are just finished. But when we completely die to ourselves and we die to all our dreams about our life being something awesome that we're going to make it, then we can embrace his awesome life. And that power will start to flow within us. And we can live on that power. And we can depend upon the power of the Holy Spirit. In verse 12, Paul talks about this deep processing of the Holy Spirit in the life of God's messengers. He says, death is working in us so that, but life is working in you. You know, that as, as God takes me to a place of alignment and unification with him through this deep processing, it allows life to flow out of us. I don't know how else to say this. Um, but if you want God to use your life, you're going to have to go with him into a place. He's going to have to take you out into the wilderness. And, the, you know, the wilderness is not a place where he punishes people. Everybody in the scripture that he took to the wilderness was already pleasing to him. But he takes us to the wilderness and he strips us. He takes, sometimes he has to take our stuff away from us. I was talking to a friend the other day that I haven't seen in a long time. And he was talking about, you know, he had reached the, the pinnacle of business success. And it was his dream at 50 to have, uh, have all the money that he needed. And then he would be able to go into ministry. And what ends up really happening is he loses everything, even his house loses his job, and then with pretty much empty hands, he enters the ministry. God has to do that to us sometimes. He has to strip us bare and send us again out into the world. You know, go into that tomb because on the other side of that tomb is resurrection life. And Paul comes out of that. And when you've gone to this place with the Lord and he has done this stripping and he's done this uh, alignment inside of you. Things are just going to be different for, for you from then on. Verse 13, Paul says, you're going to believe what you believe. Yeah, I love that third day song. You know, I believe what I believe in. He says, now we have that same spirit of faith. The Bible says, I believe, therefore I spoke. So we also believe and therefore we speak and we know that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and he will present us with you. Paul is saying, I don't, I don't just have opinions about things anymore. I don't just hope. I don't say, well, it's my religion. I don't say it's my faith tradition. I say, I know. I know about resurrection life. Because this breaking and rebuilding has changed him. In verse 15, Paul says, And that is how grace 
is transferred from one life into another. Go with God. He's going to take you to a place. If he wants to use you and if you're willing to be used, he needs to take you to a place of alignment, a place where he gives you convictions, and a place of absolute commitment to him where you love what he loves, you hate what he hates, and anything in your life that's inconsistent, he needs to break that and move that out. And not just, if you're married, not just you, but your spouse has also got to come to this place with you. And you can't, you know, you can't change adult behavior. You can't change another person. We change our own behavior. So you may, if you if you're struggling with a situation in your marriage, you may have to just really seriously take this to prayer that God will do the same work in your spouse that he is doing in you. But it's a good place. It's a, it's a season. And sometimes that season has to come back a few times in your lifetime. I know it has in mine and the Lord just strips me down again so that he can get me to a new place in him for the next mission. You know, cause the mission is not like a carrot on a stick. You're really supposed to do your mission. So he gives you a mission, you achieve it. He'll give you another mission. Uh, I've got a theme in my life. That never changes. But the specific things God has had me doing, he's assigned me to do a number of different things. And uh, I want to be faithful to that commission. Well, that's all for now. If you're enjoying Thread, please share the podcast with your friends. Just use the button in the player on the screen. And don't forget to check out MediaLightOnline.com. For online courses we've developed to help you find God's will and to help you grow personally, spiritually as a leader, and we want to work with you to improve your communication skills in X. This week, expect God to use you because you are the light of the world.